Good morning. My name is Burton. I'll be delivering the message this morning. I have the privilege of kicking off a new series. The beginning of May, this series is titled By Faith. And my message this morning is Persevere. And I just think that we need faith, right? I have faith. You have faith. We all have faith. So this morning, I'm going to briefly talk about what faith is. And then I want to dive deeper into why faith is so crucial, so, so crucial, and how faith can be experienced and really help us to live that full, abundant life that God wants to have with us. Without faith, it's not possible. Sounds exciting, right? Well, I hope so. You guys got quiet all of a sudden. <laughs> Praising God, now you're just silence. All right, let's open up with the word of prayer. Father in heaven, I just thank you so much for the opportunity to deliver your word to your people, God. I just pray that this morning, anything that's not of you would just fall away. Father, just let your word remain today. Uh, your holy word that you, you have, your word is, is for today. Your word is on time. Your word is on point, God. So today I just pray that our hearts and our minds would be open to hearing from you, God. God, directly from your, your lips into our hearts, Father. That's what we ask this morning. Amen. Amen. So let's start off with faith. What is it? There's a pretty succinct definition in the Bible. I love it. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. It's a great verse. Very succinct. Important things to take away from here. Confidence and assurance. As Christians, we're called to live a humble life. Right? We're always told to be humble. Jesus says the last will be first. We need to put others above ourselves. We love our neighbors you know, as ourselves. These are all good things. But we can't get that twisted. And to thinking that as Christians, we're just supposed to walk around with our head down, saying, woe is me, you know, let people walk all over us. That's not who we are as Christians. We're to have assurance. We're to have confidence, right? We're to have assurance and confidence about who God is who he was and all those amazing things he did. We're to have confidence that Jesus came to this world and he died for our sins. We're to have confidence that he left behind the Holy Spirit that gives us power to go out into the world and to do so many great things. We're to have confidence in the future that God promises us, that he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. We have confidence that Jesus is coming back. These are things that we are to be confident and assured about. Right? We shouldn't be guilty about those things. We can hold our heads high as followers of Jesus. Throughout the Bible, there's account after account after account of people stepping out in faith. First, they hear from God. And then they have to, they have to know it's God. It might just be a voice. And then they have the confidence to act on that voice. They don't have any assurances, but they go out and act. That is faith. And chapter 11 starts out with this verse. But chapter 11 is known as the Hall of Faith. It's filled with all these people in the Bible who have done amazing things for God. Their faith is so massive. And there's people in there like Noah. Now Noah, I have a picture of him. I hope it shows up. <laughs> there it is, right? I just love that. So he's, he's got faith. Who's Noah? Well, Noah's a guy who by faith went and he built an ark. He's living in a time where it had never rained, and he's building this massive boat. I mean, to call it a boat is an understatement. 
It's literally like a floating apartment building, right? That's the best way to describe this, this massive ark that Noah is building. Everyone in Noah's time when he's building this ark, they thought he was crazy. They thought he was losing his mind. Like I said, it never rained. And they see him putting that on his front lawn. Could you imagine? They all thought he was crazy. Have there been times in your lives where you're doing something for God and the people around you, they think you're crazy? They just don't understand what you're doing? Maybe you volunteer your time and you just give it away and people are like, how do you do that? Or maybe you take some of your stuff and you give it to the poor and people around you, they they don't understand. Like, man, you're crazy. Why are you doing that? Maybe you offer a coworker a word of encouragement and lift them up and build them up. People say, you're crazy. We live in a cutthroat world. We have to step on each other. We have to get ahead. We have to put ourselves first. They just don't understand. They don't get it. These are small things we do in faith. The world will think there is an ulterior motive, but we simply are listening to the promptings of God, right? Have you had an overwhelming feeling to do good or to reach out to a certain individual? That could be God speaking to you. You may not know why, but you have faith. And faith is the assurance of things not yet seen. And when you listen to that overwhelming feeling, you get to be part of something so much greater than yourself. You get to be part of God moving, God working. And God's working all around us all the time. All the time. We just need to get on board with what he's doing. Hindsight is twenty twenty, right? We can look back, and that's when our faith is kind of assured fully, and we're like, yeah, God was speaking to me. That all worked out great. So Noah, he's building the ark. He's collecting all these animals two by two, loading them up on the ark. They all get snuggled inside. And it's like God literally shut the door. It'd be like the best type of automatic garage door opener. It works every time, right? So God closes the door. They're all snuggled in there. They're all bundled up. People are around them, and they still think they're crazy. That guy is crazy. What is he doing in there? Those animals stink. Wow. But then it starts to rain. Never rained before. Water falling from the skies. Like, what's going on? Then all of a sudden, these floodwaters start to rise. All of a sudden, Noah's looking pretty smart, right? Noah's looking pretty good, snuggled up in that ark. He's looking pretty prepared. This is what faith can do. If we are obedient to the voice of God, even though it might not make sense in an earthly sense, might not make sense to people around you, we're going to be protected when the storms come. Faith is preparation for the hard times. Faith is preparation for the hard times. And those hard times always come. Faith is preparation. This is why we need to act on faith. We're faithful in the little things. Little things that come our way. And then God over time will allow you to be faithful with more and more. Faith is like a muscle. And if you don't use it, you lose it. And in the same way, like a muscle, if you exercise it and you build it up, it gets stronger and stronger. Think of Noah. Do you know how old Noah was when he began building the ark? Some of you might know. He was 500 years old. That's half a millennia. Not half a century, half a millennia. That is old. Do you think maybe in Noah's first 500 years on earth, he faced some struggles? Do you think maybe he was exercising his faith with little things before this? Noah didn't build the ark right out of the gate. 
I believe this is a word for some people here this morning. We put too much pressure on ourselves sometimes. You need to learn to walk before you run. Work at having faith in the small things. Just step out. Step out of your comfort zone. God's not going to ask you to build an ark as soon as you become a Christian. But he may ask you to come and get baptized, like we're doing today. That can be a big step. That takes a lot of faith early on. He might ask you to share your testimony, share your faith. That takes a lot of faith as well. He may ask you to invite someone to church. Man, that can take a lot of faith. Especially if you bring them to this church and they're like, these people are crazy, right? (laughs) But that's a good thing. They thought Noah was crazy, right? It's good to be crazy. That sounds so weird. (laughs) If God puts it on your heart and you listen and you act, then your faith will get strengthened. We don't all come out of the womb building arcs, right? Neither did Noah. It took time. I'm a carpenter by trade. It's how I make my living, and it takes a lot of skill. But it takes time to develop these skills, right? For me, it's taken decades. And this past Friday, we were building these flower boxes, and I was there. I was cutting everything and just doing it really quick. And Mark and Jake were screwing these all together, and Mark kept saying, wow, this is fast. Wow, this is fast. Wow, this, this is going so fast. And we were just working, working away. And like, man, like Mark's right there. He's just such a good help. And after working on these things for many years, you know, it becomes second nature. You learn what they call tricks of the trade. You develop a mind even to see your way through a process easily. And you're even able to, to remember more measurements, more and more. Just it's, it's your lifestyle. It's what you do for a living. You're almost on autopilot when you get to, in these things, right? But what you don't see is all the wrong cuts. You don't see all the broken tools. You don't see all the times I hurt myself or shot myself in the hand or cut a finger. You don't see that. You don't see all the setbacks. You don't see the tools getting thrown across the room, right? You don't see that. And you don't see me persevering and sticking with it time and time again, developing these skills. That's what you don't see in me right now. Right now, I make it look easy. But it wasn't always that way. It took Noah 100 years to build the ark. And I'm sure during that time, his faith was tested. He must have had thoughts of doubt, questioning if this was really God's will. But Noah, he dug his heels in. He stuck with it. He saw the project through. Noah persevered, and because of that, his faith grew. I mentioned before that the people in Hebrews 11, it's the the hall of faith, the best of the best, the cream of the crop. You don't get your name on there unless you have a really, really big faith. Another person mentioned in this chapter was Abraham. So I'm going to talk about Abraham for a little bit. He's this man of great faith. And like Noah, over time, his faith gets strengthened more and more. Abraham was a man. He knew God's voice. That's the great thing about Abraham. He he knew God's voice right away. He learned to recognize it, and he learned to love it. And he'll be obedient to it, no matter what God asked. Abraham, he received many promises, This is the beauty of a close relationship with God. As you have your personal relationship with God, you're going to learn to recognize God's voice more. You're going to get to that intimate relationship and know beyond a shadow of a doubt, like, yeah, God's asking me to do that. You still get to choose whether you listen or not, but you know it. You know God's voice. And there can be so much freedom in learning to hear your father's voice, doing what he asks. 
I know there's people out there, you might not have had the greatest example of an earthly father. Maybe you had a terrible father. So when you hear people talk about God as your heavenly father, you're like, that doesn't sound so good. You know, I don't want God as a father. But God is not an earthly father. And when we use that term father, we're talking about what a father should be. Qualities like loving, forgiving, wanting what's best for his children. A good father always wants what's best for his children, even when that hurts sometimes. Even when it hurts the father, even when it hurts the children, right? It's what's best for you. Abraham knew God's voice, and through a close relationship with him, he learned to obey. Abraham's first asked to leave his home, and he's promised this inheritance of a new land, but he has to go. As Christians, we can get so comfortable, not even as Christians, as people living on this earth, we get so comfortable. I believe God, he calls us to be uncomfortable. When I read through scripture, I look at all these men and women in faith that are mentioned in Hebrews, none of them were living comfortable lives. Not a single one. What does the world tell you to do? Relax. Put your feet up. Take a load off. Take it easy, right? We build these things called lazy boys. We can sit in them. <laughs> Take a little nap. Watch TV. Hey, that's, that's the life right there. That's what we're called to do. That's how we're called to be. But God calls us to faith. Abraham, he obeys. He travels off, leaves everything he knows, and he receives the promise promise of inheritance of new land. I recently moved just out of town, away from all the lights here in the city. And one of my favorite things to do at my new place is just to go out after sunset with Lisa and the kids and just look up at the night sky. There is so much to see up there. And just a couple weeks ago, we got to witness a beautiful display of northern lights. I got my ladder up, and we all climbed up on the roof. I'm off work. I don't have to worry about OH&S. It's okay. (laughs) And we all laid on the roof, staring up at the sky, just looking at God's beauty. These lights dancing. God was literally putting on a show for us. And we just were soaking it all in, soaking it all in. And every time I go out there, I'm amazed at the sheer number of stars in the sky. There's just so many. One night, Abraham heard from God, right? And God told him to look up to the sky. And what he saw was all these stars. And God said to Abraham that you're going to be a father of many nations and that your descendants are going to be like the stars. Just way too many to count. So many. Abraham took hold of that promise. And even though he and his wife, Sarah, they're getting up in age, they had no children, they decided to believe. Sometimes it's the waiting that can be the hardest part. It's great to hear from God. It's great to get that assurance of faith. But what happens when days turn into weeks, weeks turn into months, months turn into years, years turn into more years, and there's still no answer from God? Like God told you this. You know it in your heart to be true. But what the time can do, it can separate you from that word from God, and, and, and you might not remember it so well. Fertility issues, you know, they can be one of the, the greatest struggles for a Christian couple who thinks that, they're, that God's calling them to have a kid. You know God promises you to have children, and you try, and you try, and you wait, and you wait, and you seek medical advice, and, and still no answer. Each passing moment, it just creates more doubt, more uncertainty, and that can creep into your life. This is what happened with Sarah. And Sarah is Abraham's wife, and she's been waiting a long time, and she says, you know what, it's not happening. So she convinces Abraham to sleep with one of her servants so that they can have a kid. 
And she's like, I'm going to kind of reroute and fulfill God's promise this way. And despite that, God still kept his promise to Sarah. He still said, you know what? I promised it. It's going to happen. And at the ripe old age of 90, Sarah gets pregnant. And she gives birth to a son, and they name him Isaac. That was a promise fulfilled. Abraham had faith, and now he got his promise. Smooth sailing from there, right? Isn't that how it is? No. You guys know how it is. Your life, my life, Abraham's life, it's always going to be filled with hills and valleys. One day you're up on top of the world, things are going great. The next day you're down the valley, in the trenches, biting it out. Sometimes it feels like those valleys just get lower and lower every time you hit them, doesn't it? Maybe they are. But you know what? When you're in that valley, there's good fruit in that valley. When life is hard and your faith is tested, that is where your faith grows the most. James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Testing of your faith. The testing of your faith produces perseverance. Your faith will be tested. Guaranteed. And how we go through it, how we come out the other side, creates perseverance. Each valley seems lower than the one before because you're being tested. And you know what? You're getting stronger with each testing. You're developing more perseverance. And the only way to get even more perseverance is to be tested even harder. And it might seem unfair at times, but God's preparing you for something. God is preparing you for something greater, something greater than yourself. And it's coming. So we need to keep that in mind. So back to Abraham. First, he's asked to leave his home. Next, he's promised to be the father of many nations, despite having no children. But these testings would be nothing compared to what God asked him to do next. Let's look at Genesis chapter 22, verse 2. Then God said, Take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac. Go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. There's no greater sacrifice God could have asked from Abraham. His one son, it even points out that he loved him so much. There's no way Abraham is going to listen to this. There's no way he could follow through. This was the son that God promised to him. The son that he had in his old age. The greatest gift. The son he was blessed with. Why would God ask this? So the question is, what happens next? What happens next? This is a good question. When God asks you to step out in faith, what happens next? The answer to this question is a great way to gauge where your walk with God is. If there's any way that you can measure your faith, any way at all, this is it. Faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. When you're asked by God to do something hard, where is your confidence? What assurance do you have? This is where the rubber meets the road, right? God says, go, do this, listen. And what's your answer going to be? Maybe your answer is no. If you say no, and you have little faith, maybe no faith. Maybe you say, 
Give me some assurance. Faith is assurance about what we do not see. As soon as we see it, it's no longer faith. It's like Gideon. When God asked him to go and lead the army full of the Israelites, and Gideon's like, well, okay, God, but first, can you give me a sign? I have this fleece here, and I'm going to put it out overnight on this grass. Can you make this fleece wet and the ground around it dry? And Gideon goes to bed, wakes up the next morning. Sure enough, that fleece is soaked, and the ground is all dry. I think Gideon has this, like, duh moment where he's like, well, maybe the fleece soaked up all the water. Like, that's, that's definitely possible. So he's like, okay, God, 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 forgive me. But tonight, make the fleece dry and the ground around it all still wet. Then I'll, then I'll believe. So he goes to bed, wakes up the next morning, and what happens? The fleece is dry and the ground around it is all wet. This, like, seems crazy when I read it sometimes, but it, God showed me, like, this is true. We can be like this sometimes. We, we might not think so, but we do this all the time. We ask God for a sign. You know, if it's your will for me to go talk to that person, Lord, then just make everything fall into place. Make it easy. Just give me a sign. Have him bring up the conversation. And don't get me wrong, God will do that. God will step in and, and he'll make those things happen. But what does that say about your level of faith? Where is your confidence? Where is your assurance? If you're relying on that sign like Gideon was to go out and do God's will. Just like God gave Gideon signs, he'll give us signs. But it's not always the way we should go. Do you want a small faith? Do you want a small faith? Or do you want a faith that can move mountains? People like to wear that on their shirts all the time. Faith can move mountains. And it's like, do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Because I do. But we need to strengthen our faith. Your level of fear dictates the level of your faith. So if you have a lot of fear and anxiety in your life, like we sang that song this morning, right? The fear and anxiety. That can be crippling in today's society. So many people are going into depression because of fear. But if you have a big fear, then you have little faith. That's hard to hear. Big fear, little faith. But if you have no fear, that's faith on David's level. Remember David from the Bible? David, he fought this giant Goliath. And everyone was just talking about Goliath. All the Israelites. Goliath is so big. Goliath is so strong. Goliath is so scary, right? Goliath smells bad. I don't know if they said that. But they're just talking about all these things about Goliath, looking at Goliath, pointing him out. It was all they could see was Goliath. And what does David do? He walks up to Goliath, and he starts saying, my God is so big. My God is so strong. My God is so mighty. And I will have no fear because I know my God holds the victory. And that's the difference right there. He didn't look at his fear. He didn't amplify his fear. He didn't grow his fear. He's talked about God. You read that scripture, that's all he's doing. He's talking about God. He's talking about God over and over. As followers of Christ, we need to start changing our dialogue around our problems. You know, it's great to share one another's burdens. It's great to come together and talk about struggles in our lives. They can't consume us. They can't be all we're talking about. Because all that does is, is it just destroys us. God created us to be more than conquerors and to overcomers. But if we're sitting there talking about how bad everything is, it's contagious. And it can spread like a disease in God's people. And God says, I don't want that for you. I don't want that for you. I want you to be like David, talking about how great God is. What's God doing in your life right now? Oh, he's doing this amazing thing in my life right now. My walk with God is so good right now. 
You know, we, we need to be talking more and more like that. If you're facing trials of many kind, don't speak fear, saying, what if this tragedy happens? What if the sky falls? What if the earth ends? Right? Like, we can talk about all these negative things that might happen. But speak faith. And know that God works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Amen. So let's go back to Abraham, Genesis 22, 2. Okay. Then God said, Take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. What was Abraham's response? Did he refuse? Did he question? Did he ask God for a sign? Let's look at verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood to the, for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. Wow. So not only is he going to listen, but he gets up early. I feel like I would have at least stayed in bed for a little longer, right? <laughs> Put it off for as long as I can. Sometimes I procrastinate way too much. But here's Abraham. Nope. Crack it on. I'm up. God, let's do this. You've asked me to do this. I'm going to do this. And that's what he does. He walks up this hill with his son, Isaac. And as they're walking, Isaac kind of notices. He's like, hey, Dad, we got the rope, right? We got the wood for the sacrifice, this offering. He's like, but where's the sacrifice? Where's the lamb? Where's the goat? And Abraham, I'm sure with a heavy heart, tears in his eyes maybe, looks at his son and he says, God will provide. God will provide. And they get up to the top of the hill. They get to this altar. He lays his son down, ties him up. He grabs a knife. And just when he's about to sacrifice his son, God tells him to stop. And with that same urgency that he listened to God the first time, immediately he stops. Thank God. And he looks over, and there's a ram. And he's caught up in the bushes by his horn. and, And God provides a new sacrifice. And that was God's provision for Abraham that day. Abraham, in the greatest act of faith, God never intended for Abraham to kill his son Isaac. It was Abraham's heart that God was after that day. It was his his obedience and his loyalty. That's what God was interested in. So where is your heart today? What is your faith level at? Is your fear on high alert today? Is your fear maybe overwhelming? taking you over? Are you in a valley right now? Are you being tested? If you are, I can relate. <laughs> I can. This past month, it's, been, it's not been an easy one for me. You know, I've faced trials of many kinds, like they say in James. I've had my world rocked a little, but I thank God that's not the first time that I've been through something. It's not the first time that I've struggled. And he's building in me perseverance. He's strengthening my faith. Faith to endure, to overcome. I know that without my faith, I would have fallen into anxiety and depression. I would have hid away, given up, stayed in bed. But no. We rise up. We keep fighting. We keep believing that God has a purpose. You know, I have a wife and I have children and I feel like that's a responsibility that I have to fight for them and I have to keep going for them. If I'm honest with you guys here today, sometimes my wife Lisa 
and my, my five beautiful kids, they're, they're where I draw my strength from. Like they inspire me and, and I might be totally weak in that moment. But God gives us people around us, right? We don't have to do it alone. It's another great message. When hard times come, what do I do? I get my armor on in the spiritual sense, right? Helmet of salvation, breastplate, righteousness, belt of truth, feet ready with the gospel, got the shield of faith, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And, and I get out there and I have a tendency, I'm just going to go in. I'm going to fight. I'm just going to get in there and maybe go on a war path, taking out everything. Recently, the Lord revealed to me that in every trial, in every battle, there's something good to come out of it. Something good, whether it be a lesson to learn or a blessing, maybe a closer walk with God, getting deeper into his presence. God reminded me it's important to fight spiritual battles, but that can't be the only thing that is on your mind. In Deuteronomy, there's this chapter, and they're talking about what you do to prepare to get ready for battle. They're like the rules of engagement, right? When you go into the city, you do this, you do that, not the other thing. Well, Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 19, says, When you besiege a city for a long time, making war against it in order to take it, you shall not destroy its trees by wielding an axe against them. Sometimes, when we're fighting something for way too long, we get so focused on taking the city that we just end up destroying the trees. God has blessings for you in every trial you face. Every single trial. You know, I think of some of the struggles in my life, and uh, one of the, the hardest things for me is when I think of my son Everett. He has a rare disease, and this disease causes him pain, causes him suffering constantly. He's always in pain. And I want God more than anything to take that away. And God's told me that he's going to heal Everett. But I have honestly grown to hate that disease. I hate it. But God's shown me that that's still part of whoever it is. And because my son endures this suffering, and because he's such a shining light to people around him, and he's this great example of hope and faith despite this, there's been these trees that are growing up around him. You know, and God gave me this image, this picture of Everett. And there's just trees growing all around him. Beautiful cedars growing tall and strong, taller than mountains. And there's these beautiful maple trees. And in the fall, they change all these different colors and just paint this picture. And there's fruit trees, man, so many fruit trees. And this abundant harvest, all because of what he has to endure, all because of what he's going through. And when I step back and I look at his life as a whole, and his story so far, there's been so much good that has come out of something that's so bad. So much good. And that is how the Lord works. And as his father, and someone who prays for his healing every day, someone who is fighting against this disease, I need to make sure that I don't cut down all those trees in my battle. Right? We need to be in the same way. We can't can't hate things so much. We can't be against things so much. We can't be so angry to miss out on the good things God's trying to produce. I also need to teach Everett not to be bitter, not to be angry, but to encourage him to continue to look at this beautiful garden that's around him. Right? There's so many good things coming. A garden that wouldn't be there without God taking what the enemy meant for evil and turning it around and using it for good. Because that's what God's in the business of doing. 
He turns graves into gardens. He turns bones into armies. And he turns seas into highways. This is what our God does. It's so amazing. So fulfilling. And I think of Everett, and he has scars all over his body from all the surgeries he's had. And I look at those scars, and those scars remind me of some other scars that Jesus has, right? And you, and you get to be thankful for these scars because they're on his hands and they're on his feet from hanging on a cross. The scar on his side from being stabbed with a spear. And why was he there? He was there for us. He was there because of me and because of you. He didn't do anything wrong. The Son of God lived a perfect life, and yet he died for us. That's heavy. That's deep. That's real. And if you have the faith to believe that it's true today, that needs to impact your life more than anything. That needs to change your entire thinking. That needs to change your behavior. When we give our lives to Jesus and we say, come into my heart and make it your home, we are a new creation. We are a new person. And that means that that fear can leave. You can even talk to that fear and you say, get out of here because I'm full of so much faith now. And everything I go through in every valley and everything, I will persevere and we will come out better, stronger on the other side. Amen? Thank you for the scars. Thank you. Let's close in a word of prayer. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. I thank you, Jesus, for your presence. I thank you that you are the perfect Father for everybody here. And God, as we close today, you know, I just want to lift up anybody that uh, needs healing in their bodies, needs healing in their minds, emotional healing, God. If they're here today, God, I just pray that through your spirit, you would give them a special touch. You would just, you would just lift them up in their hearts even and inspire them to know that you work all things together for good. In the name of Jesus, those pains, those aches, things of the past, God, that can wound deeper, those scars that people don't see, Father. I ask that you would come in and you would heal them today, God. You are our healer. You are our Savior, Father. More than anything today, God, I want to pray with people here that haven't decided to follow you, haven't given their heart to you, and they need a special healing. They need a renewed life, a new heart. God, they need a mind, not of this world, but of the Spirit. If that's you here today, you can say this prayer with me. You say, Dear Jesus, I ask that you would come and you would forgive me of my sins. I ask that you would come into my life. Come in my heart. Be Lord of my life. I thank you for saving me. And I look forward to the rest of my life with you, God, doing your will. Amen. If you said that prayer this morning, I just ask that you would lift up your hand. Take knowledge of that as everyone's eyes are closed and heads are bowed. Thank you. Father, I just pray for everyone else here today, God, that you would just have us live a week this week where this message is on our mind, this message is in our hearts, God, and we can just smile because of the great things you have done and that we can just go out into this world, be contagious, bringing other people to you, reaching people for Jesus. Amen.